This is Getting a Foot in the Door, a podcast for Loyola University Chicago School of Communication Advertising students. I'm Bob Akers, Professional in Residence Professor for Loyola's Creative Ad Major. Our guests for episodes of this podcast include senior advertising agency professionals, as well as former Loyola students who now have their foot in the door, all of whom will talk about their experiences landing a job, the work they're doing now, and insights about the ad agency world. My guest for this episode is Nicole Camacho. Nicole was in the very first class I taught here at Loyola, and I quickly surmised from talking with her and seeing her present in class that she would make a great account person. After graduating, she proved me right by landing her first job at Leo Burnett as an assistant account executive. She has since worked at Energy BBBO here in Chicago and is now at Deutsch in New York. So, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Of course. Happy to. It's the least I could do. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, let's ta- start with uh, where you started in the business. So, um, I would say my start would actually be my internships. So, to give a brief summary of what I did in college for my internships, um, I started off at a um, company that sold digital ad space, which um, was very glamorous because it was sales. Um, not as glamorous because I didn't love the thousands of rows and columns in the Excel sheets that I had to do. Um, so it was a sales position. Um, so I was on the media side. Then um, I transitioned from media to creative because what I was most inspired by was not um, the metrics that the ads were performing at, but what specifically were we putting out into the world. Um, luckily, I took your class um, my senior year, which is also when I had my first advertising internship, and your class really showed me that I wanted to be on the creative side of things. So from an internship perspective, it'd be media, but post-grad, um, I started off at Leo Burnett, so, you know, our Burnett are connections, what we have in common. <laughs> And um, I started off as an assistant account executive uh, working on Always, which was a dream because uh, the brand campaign for Always is Like a Girl um, was something that inspired me to pursue advertising because it showed that advertising is an outlet um, that represents people on their lives but also has the power to move the dial and create social change. So I was fortunate enough to touch a brand like always when I first graduated, Um, even extra fortunate because I worked on the global side of things, and that's something that I wanted to do. Um, I think global is a great opportunity to learn about different cultures and not just stay styled in what we do here in the U.S. Um, After always, I transitioned um, to... Purina, where I worked on Dog Chow, Pro Plan, and Beneful, uh, all focused here in the U.S., uh, also focused on uh, TV commercials. So it was very cool because one of the first projects I got to do um, was an end tag for a TV spot that aired uh, on the National Dog Show. So that was my, I guess, shining moment as a AAAE because I got to lead the development of the end tag from creative development all the way through trafficking it um, 
when it was live on TV. And, and but um, let me get you to back up a little bit. Uh, you know, creatives need a portfolio. They know that. Uh, what did you need? How did you get a job as an account person? Yeah, great question. So, um, as an account person, luckily I did not need a portfolio, and it goes a little bit differently because account does touch creative, um, but we're not the ones coming up with the creative ideas. And the way that I was able to start at the creative agencies was really through a lot of networking. Um, Loyola had a lot of networking events, uh, so we could like talk and um, collaborate with different organizations that came to visit us. Um, but I think the best thing that I did was not only network at those events, but then network with my professors because. Uh, like our professors at Loyola have their own pool of networks. And it was fortunate for me because I, you got to know me as to who I was in class. I got to share what I was interested in with you, interested in with you. Um, and then that led to you recommending um, an account supervisor at Loyola Burnett. Her name was Joanna. And you were just like, hey, like, you two would get along super great. Like, she came to visit one of my classes. Um, and from there, uh, UE introduced us over email. Um, and I am a big believer in this, to take people out to coffee. Even as a student, we're grinding, we're scraping pennies, whatever we need to do. Um, but that $4 coffee was something that I didn't think was going to be a, an even bigger investment because I had taken Joanna out to coffee at Starbucks. Um, and I was, when I reached out to her, I was like, I would love to hear your story um, and just really uh, ask some questions as I'm aspiring to be in the creative agency side. Um, and I offered up coffee and reminded her, like, hey, this is my treat, like, to thank you for your time. So that $4 coffee led to a great 20-minute conversation where uh, Joanna said, Nicole, I think you're great. You have great energy and you're really passionate. And I see that coming through. Um, and then she asked for my resume so she could send it to HR at Leo Burnett. Um, I believe the timing of this was uh, March, so second semester of my senior year. And then a couple months later, around May, um, HR reached out to me and said, hey, we have a assistant account executive position open. We would love to interview you for the role. Of course, I was super excited. And then I perused the website um, and found the career page and also saw that the position wasn't even listed. So it was a networking initiative that got me um, my, my interview and my first job. Oh, you know, uh, you and I have talked about this before, and I, I tell my students how important it is to to network and uh, and how receptive people are in the business um, to kind of help people get in the business. Um, and obviously, you found that to be true. Um, and so, uh, how long were you at Burnett? Um, I was at Burnett for about a year and a half. And. Uh, uh and had you been promoted there before you left? Uh, no, I was not promoted um, when I was at Burnett. The conversations were in play, um, but I had decided that I wanted to try out working. So Burnett is categorized as a large agency, 
Um, and I'm forever grateful for my experience at Burnett. It taught me so much, and I think it was a great start for me to um, start college with such a huge um, agency on my resume, working with such big clients. But I started realizing that I wanted to try and see what a medium-sized agency was like. So I had transitioned um, into uh, an account executive role at DVDO, where I was working um, on global work uh, for Claritin. And how long were you there? Um, I was at DVDO for two years. Um, and now I am no longer in Chicago, so hence why we're doing this over the phone, because I'm joining you here from New York, um, where I started working um, at um, another mid-sized agency called Deutsch, um, and I'm working on global Johnson & Johnson vision now. And what's your title now? Um, my title is still an account executive. Great. Uh, and now that you've been big agency, medium agency, medium agency, and also from Chicago to New York, um, how's the culture different? So I would say the culture was in comparison to agency size. I liked a medium sized agency better because I was able to build better relationships. Um, as an account person, building relationships is your number one goal, whether that's internally with the various departments in the building or externally with different partners and especially your clients. Um, when I was working at Burnett, there was just so many people um, that I would work with that it was hard to um, understand like what their working style was or communication style and really build um, a relationship where I felt like we could just move seamlessly um, and I could like just understand how they function as a person. Um, at a medium-sized agency, I felt like I had um, that opportunity, and that was just more so aligned with how I function as an employee, um, what my values um, and viewpoints are in regards to being an account person, um, and then that just led to success because um, I'm able to sit down with my team and just really like have one, like more one-on-one -on -one conversations like a lot more back and forth where it's not formal meetings but just like shooting the shit for lack of a better word like just having that back and forth to brainstorm and go over okay that was a great idea or no that was not a great idea maybe we should like ax it so i really appreciated the time um to build those closer knit relationships in addition to just also knowing the agency better as a whole and the other people in different departments and different accounts. Um, like for example, here at Deutsch, um, we're um, two floors, so I can walk around the floor and know like where each department is and who each person is and reach out for resources because we are like a more smaller knit family here. Um, so I thought that was very valuable to my experience and how I could better serve the agency in my role and help better serve my clients. Um, in regards to culture between New York and Chicago, um, coming into, like, starting into the industry from Chicago, um, I felt like I had a great understanding just because I was able to, like, talk to you and, like, you were my mentor when I first started. Um, and just having that, I guess, community, too, because then I, Loyola's in Chicago, Leo Burnett and BBDO were in Chicago, so I had Loyola to fall back on. 
um, when I was going through my, uh, I guess, like entry level, like growing pains. Because it, it is a transition going from college to uh, now working in the industry. Um, now being in New York, I don't have as readily available a network like that, and you have to rebuild that, and I think that's one of the challenges that I'm coming across. Um, I do also think that Chicago's pace is a little bit slower compared to New York. I feel like Chicago, I was running here in New York. I feel like I'm sprinting. Everything moves so much faster, um, like, it is insane. Even just walking outside, like, people are constantly just, like, power walking, and that's how I feel, like, in the agency. Um, I, there's so much more work to be done, um, so many more partners to connect with and build ideas with, and so much more opportunity, just because a lot of these um, offices are based in New York. Um, for example, like, uh, there, there's an organization here called She Runs It, which is a women empowerment and advertising organization. The headquarters is here in New York, and they have a lot more events available for people to attend. Um, even just thinking about the amount of opportunities through events is, has been even a big differentiator because She Runs It has a chapter in Chicago, but not as many events per month are happening there. Um, so when I was interviewing here at Deutsch, I was talking to my EVP, um, he was my very last interview, and um, he was just like, are you ready to transition? Like, it's going, you're going to New York, and I was like, I think I am. Like, I've been thinking about this move for a year, um, and I'm ready to make it happen. And then he described New York as the center of the universe, and I don't think that's very far off based off my two, two and a half months here now, because there's just so much going on and the creation of new ideas and new like processes or new technologies for advertising, some of them or most of them are being incubated here. So um, it's incredible to see how fast-paced New York is because of the availability of being able to reach that knowledge shared like real time. Wow. Big change for you. <laughs> yeah. Big change. Going from my nice, Midwestern Chicago roots um, to the hustling, bustling city of New York. But you're adapting, it sounds like. Um, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I know from experience, and I know having talked to you, um, that the, the role of an account person is difficult uh, at best uh, because you're often, quite often, um, the messenger that's going to get shot. You know, you've got to you've got to make the um, the client happy and the creatives happy. Um, talk about how you do that. What skills are needed? Uh, the difficulties of whatever. Yeah, um, something that I actually like doing um, as an account person is really defending the creative work. Um, I think of characteristic of a great account person is being able to sell great ideas on behalf of our creatives and have these tougher conversations with clients. Granted, I'm still um, mid-level um, and I'm not um, exactly like the lead in having these convert, like larger conversations, but at my level, um, having those conversations with my day-to-day -day clients really make all the difference. Um, and I think 
navigating um, being the mediator um, is truly an art form uh, because it's about listening. Um, of course, in advertising, it's easy to say your opinions, but being able to objectively think um, before speaking and making decisions is really crucial, especially when we're trying to either sell an idea or find a, like a happy middle ground. Um, listening to what the creatives have heart for is always my number one objective. So whenever I go into a internal or creative review and the team is showing examples, because um, we like to present clients in multiple options, I'll always ask, what is a creative reco? Because I want to put that in the forefront and I want to have that in mind. So when I do present work to the clients, I could build a great rationale as to why we should move forward with X reco. Um, but if a client pushes back or disagrees or has feedback that the creative team doesn't necessarily 100% agree with, that's where an account person steps in too because um, then I also have to understand, okay, where is the client coming from? Um, how can we make the client happy but also still like maintain the integrity of our creative idea? Or also listen to where the client is coming from and say, hey, like, this could actually help elevate this further. So it's really, a, like, at the end of it all, it's about having a really great relationship because you want your creative team to trust you as an account person knowing that they're going to protect me, they're going to defend my work, and they're going to listen to what my recommendations are, but then also having a great relationship with the client and listening to what their feedback is, and then sometimes having to give hard news saying like, hey, we totally hear what you're saying, that makes sense, um, but also pushing back and not always saying yes to the client um, and having a, con a harder conversation of, hey, we still love this idea, we still think there's heart, um, and trying either to get them to lean in or find a way um, to compromise in some sense. This is not all battles end in compromise, um, but it's, it's one of those um, conversations that um, is going to bring forward-thinking work into the industry and to advertising. So um, I went in a little bit of a roll around there, so I'm going to close it with um, being able to listen is um, very important um, to objectively think and also provide like our clients with the best um, recommendation moving forward. Um, you know, creatives quite often, I'm sure you've seen this, uh, they believe that the account people are the enemy. Um, and so uh, have you seen that? Um, what other, you know, I know, I know you've talked to me about um, some of the stuff that you do to appease the, to get the creatives to um, to do the work that, that you need to get them to do. <laughs> Talk about that. Yeah. Um, so account people tend to be the bearer of bad news uh, because, again, like you said, we're the messenger. We're we're sharing client thoughts. Um, we're we're giving like feedback, which can feel like a dagger to the heart, especially since the creative that our team puts out, that's like their babies. That's like their heart on their sleeve there. 
um, especially after going through your class, I know exactly how that feels, coming up with creative and then hearing all the feedback and then smiling, like, yet cringing at the same time. Um, and I think something that I've learned that um, works for my style as an account manager is being able to understand um, my creatives in regards to how they function as a human being. Like, how would they prefer to receive bad news? What motivates them? Um, and uh, it's hard to share bad news because you don't want to, but it's something that we still need to give, like, thought, exploration to. And some things that I do when I am sharing bad news um, is always reminding my creative, hey, this is the feedback. If you disagree, let me know, and I will have a conversation with the client. Because um, I want my creative to be able to lean on me and tell me what they truly think um, or tell me what they need. Because if they're not sharing their needs with me or their ideas, then I'm not doing them justice as their account person. I'm also not doing um, the client justice by really showing the brush of ideas and thought that we could provide to them. Um, so it, at my level, it's the small things that really help the creatives get the work done. Um, something that I personally do is try to understand the team's stress cues. Um, so when I can tell that they're reaching their tipping point, I'll either like re I guess recalibrate, say, um, okay, like, do you need to, like, block off time in your calendar so you can work? Do you want to go for a walk around the block and just, like, de-stress? Um, my favorite thing is knowing their stress foods, whether that's sweet or salty. Um, it's so funny because this week has actually been a very challenging week for the team, um, and especially for my creative. And um, I knew they were having a rough week, so... Um, we have, like, an internal, like, instant messaging system, um, and I sent them a message, and I said, hey, like, I have two different types of cookies at my desk. I have milk chocolate Milano's, and I have maple cream Oreos. Do you need a snack break? Within, like, two minutes, they're already up at my desk, and they're just like, yes, this is exactly what I needed. Um, so little things like that really help throughout the day. Um, even just, like, making sure that they have time for lunch or they have time for a break. If I have a meeting with them that's around lunchtime, I'll start off the meeting saying, like, hey, did you eat? And if they say no, I'm like, okay, we're going to hit pause and we're going to get you some food because you need that in order to, like, keep going. They need a sustenance throughout the day. Like, I'm the type of person, if I'm hungry, I can't think about anything else besides how hungry I am. Um, and even now, like, my new team, like, even understanding what they're interested in. Um, for example, like, we were going through so much feedback that a client had given us and I could tell, like, the team was hitting a wall. And um, one of my creatives really loved Harry Potter. And I was like, hey, like, um, let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> it's one of those small things that help them get through the day. Because then he was, like, talking to me. And he asked, do you know what Harry Potter house you're in? I was like, I have no idea. So then he's like, oh, my gosh, you have to take the quiz right now. So I spent five minutes taking the Harry Potter quiz. Turns out I'm a Gryffindor when I thought I was a Hufflepuff. Um, but that even <laughs> five minutes gave him, like, enough, like, spark to be like, okay, like, we did this. I feel a little bit more energized. And then we went through the next batch of feedback. And then he was starting to hit a wall again. And I was like, okay, like, um, I was trying to think what else I could do to help keep his energy up. And then we were, like, side-talking again about Harry Potter. 
And he goes, do you know what your Patronus is? Mine is a hedgehog. I was like, what's a Patronus? And he's like, okay, next quiz. I was like, okay, I will do the next quiz if you finish addressing these, like, a, like three next points of feedback. And it's something like that where, one, I'm glad that the creative were able to get through the work because uh, it was a lot of feedback that we had to go through. But, two, to, to be able to sit, them, sit next to them at their desk and chat things out because I understand also, like, how sacred a space it is for them to just, like, get their ideas out. And some creatives don't let account, like, collaborate with them during that thought process. But I'm fortunate enough to have creatives where um, I build enough trust with them where there's, like, I like it when you sit next to me and we go things together. So it's, it's those little things throughout the day. Granted, they're small. They're not something that the client would say, like, hey, like, that really, like, changed things for us. But it's something that is helping my team get through the day because we're going through so much work at such a fast pace. Um, so I'm a little bit of a weird account person. I give them cookies, and I take Harry Potter quizzes. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, as a creative, you are a dream account person. The problem is you're a rarity. And um, so the question I have for you is um, I'm guessing, maybe not at Deutsch, but certainly uh, within your experience, not everyone on the account team that you're part of works the way you do with the creative. So, um, you know, certainly you've had other people that you're working with as account people that are kind of the uh, more on the uh, client side than understanding uh, the creatives. How have you dealt with that? Mm. Or have you not had uh, that experience? I don't know if this is fortunate or unfortunate, but I have had that experience. Um, I don't really know how to categorize it um, in regards to like, was it a positive or a negative? because um, sometimes listening to the clients and really leaning in helps retain their business, and I get that perspective. Um, but the other end of things is um, when you're trying to maintain the client's business, to some degree you're losing trust from your creative team because then the creatives will just think, oh, like that account person is just going to dictate whatever the clients want us to do, and there's no opportunity for new ideas. There's no opportunity for us to do our jobs and really express how they think our product or our brand or our service should be um, out in the world. And the first thing that came to mind when you said that, and I'm not going to say names and I'm not going to say agencies because, you know, I'm not that person, but I remember being in a conference call um, and um, part of the team um, on the account side was with the clients who were not based um, in the same city as us. And then I was with the team um, at the agency. Uh, it was a production team or creative team because uh, we were going through rough cup reviews. Um, and um, we were listening in. Um, the account team on the ground was guiding the conversation. We were listening in to understand what that conversation was going to be like. Um, again, we're on mute. And um, the client had said a point of feedback, and I scanned the room, and you just felt the creative, like, tense up. Like, you felt it, the energy. And 
um, knowing you were on mute, I looked at my creatives and I'm like, okay, what are your what are your thoughts? Like, you, looks like you don't agree with this feedback. And they're like, I don't for X, Y, Z reasons. I was like, okay, like noted. So I was preparing to unmute us to chime in and say, hey, uh, the team here on our end wanted to uh, just provide a creative point of view. Um, and before I can even press unmute, my team on the ground already was like, yeah, we can do that. And then you just saw the creative team, like, of course, this is like things that happen on our end that not everyone sees, but the creative team just gets so flustered. And they're just like, that's not a good idea. We don't think that's going to make this spot better. Um, and I saw that and I felt that. And I think whenever a account person just decides to do whatever a client says, I don't think that's doing us justice for two reasons. One, because our creative input should always be either we agree or we're pushing back and there was no conversation with the creatives as to how to move forward collectively as an agency team. And I think that's something that lacked. Granted, um, I'm still fairly like entry to mid-level, but I, I see how important it is to go back to our creatives and have a conversation. And the second part of why that isn't beneficial is because we're trying to bring forward-thinking ideas to help our clients' brand and their product stand out. And clients sometimes are very scared to take risks, and I get that. Like, being the position that they're in at their company, being, like, in-house, I, I get they have to make more calculated choices, but that's why the importance of our partnership as the agency is even more relevant because we're supposed to be balancing them out and having them think outside the box. Um, so as someone who is in a supervisor, director level, um, that's something that I want to bring when I do get to that level. Um, but being so mid-level as an account executive, it's hard to implement that change just because I don't have that like higher level decision. I, I can't make the call like that. But what I could do is make sure that, hey, like my creatives are heard from me and maybe I could raise it to my supervisors um, on a one-off conversation or try to move the dial that way if that ever did happen to me again. Um, but yeah, that was a great question because there are account people who are very client focused and I, I see how frustrated the team gets when that is the case. And uh, how do you, so so those are all skills on how you deal with the um, creatives. How do you deal with difficult clients? Ooh. <laughs> every. And don't say every, you haven't had any. Yes, because if I said I haven't had any, I would be lying. <laughs> yep. Um, and I, I, I want to like give my honest take and clients, Whatever client I've had, um, they've been a gem for particular reasons, and they have been very difficult for other reasons. Um, and I think that what I've learned from dealing with difficult clients is um, knowing how much stress that they're going through. Like, when I hear a client is stressed out, or like on the phone, or they're just sending like 10 emails within like, a span of 15 minutes, I'm like, okay, something's definitely going down. Um, 
And what I'd like to do when dealing um, in, with those type of situations is, first off, understanding what's stressing them out. Is it the timeline? Is it because we have a budget cut? Is it because they're getting like pressure from a uh, higher up um, client? Because again, I'm dealing with um, like more entry to mid-level clients based on my position. Um, and as an account person, it's important to understand what they're going through so we can help them problem solve um, and in a way help them emotionally regulate. Um, I think as an account person, um, I've learned how to deal with a great amount of stress with a lot of grace, which I'm really grateful for, because um, you have to maintain a sense of calm for your clients, because if your clients sense that you're stressed out, they're going to get worse. If your internal team, like your creative sense that you're stressed out, they're going to get stressed out too. Um, and so, yeah, so step one would be understanding what's stressing them out and helping them problem solve. Um, and that's the best thing I could do, whether that's being like a lending ear and just letting them vent or, um, for example, I have a, a new client that just started and there's so much going on. Like our status sheet just for my project load is three pages and her supervisor just left for a Thanksgiving vacation, which is greatly deserved. But I know that there's a lot going on. If I was her, I'd be really stressed out. So i I will reach out to her and check in and be like, hey, like, let me know if you would like a 15-minute phone call check-in just to touch base on everything that's going on. Or, hey, like, I know this project was started before your time on the team. I'm happy to give you like a quick summary as to what the project is about and um, hop on a phone call um, to help get you up to speed. And these are all like one-on-one -on -one things that I try to do as a client-facing person of the agency. Um, sometimes clients also will text me at 9, 10 p.m. <laughs> when I'm at home, um, and they're, they're sending out emails at that time, either like 10 p.m. one night or 5 a.m. in the morning one morning, because um, they have so much going on. Um, and in order to maintain... Um, I guess some level of balance. It's also just like making boundaries too and saying like, I quiet, I will always have your back. I will support you. I'm finding solutions to the things that uh, you're worried about, but this will need to be addressed during working hours. Um, so I guess for me, I've had different types of clients um, stress about different types of things in weird ways. Either one client is, again texting me at very odd hours or one sending me a ton of emails where this could have been solved with a, a 30 minute phone call um, but having difficult moments with your clients are inevitable being a good account person is knowing how to navigate that um, and help your client through that so um, your client is one relief because when you have a happy client and you're showing them work when they're in a great mood, it's phenomenal. When they're in a bad mood, they're not as receptive to the work and that makes things a little difficult. Um, so it's, it's, it's been interesting so far to say the least, Bob. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, and um, if I was a... Um, a student who wanted to be an account person, and I've got an interview coming up. 
what would you tell me? Hmm. That's a, the thought that comes to mind is actually advice that you gave me when I was a senior. Um, I was interviewing for Ogilvy, and I remember I came up to you after class, and I told you, oh, my gosh, I made it to the last round of interviews, and I was freaking out. And you asked me, Nicole, like, calm down. <laughs> Why are you freaking out? And I expressed something along the lines of, I feel, I'm scared that they want someone who's a certain way, and I don't know if I fit into that box. And the advice you gave me in response to that is something that I've told other students, something that I've told my other, like, my mentees that I've gathered as a now working professional, um, and something that I've even told interns and other assistant account executives that I managed um, as I've become an AE. And your advice to me was actually always be yourself. And I think at the time when I first heard that advice as a senior, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, companies are always telling us that this is X, Y, Z, what they're looking for. Um, and you reminded me that, hey, you made it to the last round of interviews. They know you're qualified already. So be yourself. I was like, okay. I went into the, all my interviews moving forward, being myself after you told me that. And now that I've been in the industry for a little over three years, I think that advice has a different meaning to me uh, because now, like when I was a senior, being myself helped me stay calm during those interviews that helped ground me. Um, now being a working professional, um, being myself is being a part of a company that I can be my authentic self ways, so I don't feel like I have to fake things um, to succeed in the workplace. Um, I function better when I can just be my authentic self and talk the way that I'm talking to you right now. Um, it's a similar way as to how I talk with my team, but I built such a great relationship where we could joke and be sarcastic and be sassy and they still get what I'm saying and it actually helps elevate our dynamic and culture. Um, but then ultimately when interviewing for jobs, you're not only interviewing for the role, you're also interviewing for the culture that the agency, the company, whatever it may be, is providing and how they think management should be done. And the advice of being myself has led me to uh, work for companies that align with my values, how I think that advertising should be done, how I think corporate management should be done. Um, and I think a lot of that is important in order to have great work into the world. We work in a creative industry. If we feel like we can't be ourselves and we're not moving the dial, um, something that Joy says is like, um, like mission, like having a mission to do the never before. Um, and something that's naturally who we are as creative folks is, um, thinking outside the box, and if I constantly think, like, hey, I have to fit this certain box, I'm never going to create anything new. I'm never going to influence work with that type of thinking. So, yeah, the advice you gave me to be myself has, has to be my number one thing to tell students. Because, um, one, you're going to find the great fit for you, but, two, you're going to be happy with whatever job or company um, you decide to sign with. 
Um, and like that not only leads to long-term like fulfillment with what you're doing, but it's going to lead to better work, I think, in the end. Well, I'm glad you took my advice, and uh, I'm very happy for you that you've uh, you've succeeded uh, in what you're doing, and you sound very happy with it. So that's great. Aw, <laughs> thank you. I am. I'm. I'm really happy too that I decided to pursue the creative side. Um, I was really scared when I was a senior coming up to you, telling you that I was in a media internship and I wasn't in love with it. Um, and it's scary because. Um, being someone in my family, like all my family members who graduated from college, have either become an engineer or a nurse or some type of medical field. So to go into advertising, everyone's just like, what the hell are you doing? And to now think about how far I've come, because I didn't, I honestly wasn't sure that I was going to come this far. Um, and to have like mentors like you in my corner reminding me that I have a seat at the table and my voice is valuable. Um, that has really helped me like along the way too. So thank you, Bob. You're welcome. And your family just didn't know that you're a dream account person. <laughs> I know. Imagine if I became a nurse or a dentist, that would be bad. <laughs> oh, I think you'd be good at that too. Uh, well, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully my students have gotten something out of it. So uh, a lot of good words of wisdom there. So thank you. I'm glad. And if there's anyone um, who would like to connect on LinkedIn, um, happy to do so. And then, Bob, I will also send you my new Deutsch email, too, so you could circulate that to students if they're ever in New York or just want to hear a former student of yours who's now an account person. Sounds great. Thank you. Um, and we'll talk soon. Yes. Sounds good. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, Bob, so much. Thank you. Bye. This has been Getting a Foot in the Door, a podcast for Loyola University Chicago School of Communication Advertising students. I invite you to leave feedback at my Loyola email, rakers at luc.edu, and join the conversation about this or other episodes in this podcast on Instagram and Facebook under Getting a Foot in the Door. I'm your host. Bob Akers, and I thank you for listening.